Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and I am glad to introduce you to a new friend here on Faith Conversations. Her name is Deneen Akers, and she has written a beautiful book that is gorgeously illustrated by, um, and now, of course, I'm going to get this name wrong. I want to say Jillian Gamble. That's correct. <laughs> oh, yay. I got it right. Um, it, the name of the book is Dear Mama God. It's a children's book, and um, I'll talk a little bit to Deneen and ask what ages this might be good for, but it's beautiful. I think, I'm guessing it's in that three to six realm, three to eight realm, something like that. But let me just give you a little blurb about Deneen before I officially welcome her to the podcast. She's a writer, a producer, a teacher, and she believes deeply in the power of stories. And she's the mother of two children. Um, honestly, she says they've been the primary motivator for her writing about a faith that works for the common good. And so, Deneen, welcome to Faith Conversations. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Now, what what I didn't read in the bio was um, what children are. Do you have girls or boys? Uh, I they... have two daughters. Two they daughters. Are, they are now seven and 14. Okay. All right. And so in some ways, the, the title of this book makes even more sense or that you're writing this book makes even more sense that you have daughters. It, um, it, it does. Um, my sister has two boys, so I have two close um, nephews in my yes. life too. And I do think that it's um, beautiful for boys to also um, understand and conceptualize the divine also includes the feminine too. And I probably should say, okay, it makes sense that you wrote it for for. Uh, or that that a driver behind it was that you had um, daughters, but I was thinking the same thing. It's you know I think we think about we we want to elevate that for daughters because we have largely grown up in a world that has been very male centric, um, patriarchal. If you've grown up in more conservative evangelicalism like I did, but you're right, equally good and important for young boys to be reading this too. So I love that you've, you know, interjected that. Thank you. Um, somebody who was a former pastor of mine when I used to live in a different part of the country liked to talk about Jesus as a man who mothered the world. Uh -huh. And it was so powerful for me as a mother to hear Jesus phrased that way. And it, it immediately touched me at the core. And I realized how much Jesus was a nurturer um, took time for people. He did those things that we associate with the feminine. Um, and she intentionally uses the word mother because since it's been associated with women, it has been considered less than and diminished. And when boys understand that the divine also includes these feminine qualities, it allows them to nurture those qualities in themselves as holy as well, which are 
I've often thought lately that while it's challenging raising daughters in our culture, I actually think it might be harder to raise healthy boys right now. I agree. Um, so I really want um, parents of, uh, you know, boys and girls to understand that yeah. mama God, mama God yes. <laughs> really is for all of us as well. I love that. I wrote that down because I was afraid I might forget Jesus, a man who mothers the world. I, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. And her name is uh, uh, Kate Christensen Martin. She's one of the people I profiled in my first book, Holy Troublemakers and Unconventional Saints. Oh, cool. Um, so cool. yeah, she, um, she's a, well, an incredible thinker, speaker, um, who has been parenting four boys. Wow. Um, nice. Okay. And is, is still in the midst of that. I feel like we'll hear more from her, um, in a few years as her little awesome. gets a bit older. That's yeah. Great. Well, I was thinking about my own journey, um, toward uh, feminine spirituality and years ago in my former job, um, many of the podcast listeners know I worked many years for Moody radio and, um, hosted a uh, daily live radio show, but a book came across my desk then called The Feminine Soul, Surprising Ways the Bible Speaks to Women. I remember when it came across my desk because, well, a listener sent it, number one. Usually listeners, sorry, listeners, but sent kind of junky stuff, you know, uh, not self-published, not well-edited, whatever. Well, this was not that. <laughs> and the title just grabbed me. I started reading the um, introduction to this as she starts talking about um, uh, our, you know, uh, uh, the shape of our souls and could there be something in the shape of our feminine souls that tends to, oh, she goes on and on, what, where, what that might tend toward that has been ignored and all of these things. Anyway, I started to cry reading the introduction to that. And then uh, Carolyn Custis James was another author who started to move down this similar path um, and wrote a book at some point called Lost Women of the Bible and looking at female characters in scripture differently, as did the feminine soul. Uh, stories from scripture that honestly I had somehow missed and had certainly never been used as sermons, like in Luke, the bent over woman who Jesus mm -hmm. healed and she stood up straight. And I feel like that's kind of my own personal mm. story. But this is the little blurb that that connected with me when Carolyn Custis James said, does the Bible read differently to a deaf person, a soldier, an African, a woman? Are there aspects of the Bible each observes because of their unique perspective that others miss? A simple two sentence, um, two sentences of questions. Mm. And I thought, yes, this is what I've been missing. No one has spoken into this, into me, into my feminine soul. Absolutely. And there, you know, if we really lean into believing the Imago Dei, you know, the image Absolutely. of God is in every person. Yes. Then every person has something to teach us about about God. Yes. And if we could see everybody that way, um, probably especially the people who annoy us the most. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yeah. Okay. What, you know, what a spiritual practice that is. Um, so yeah, this, this book, Dear Mama God came about because I had started that journey, that faith shift journey myself um, quite a few years ago. And in part of that time, and this is at least 12 or 15 years ago, I was at church 
and the worship leader had changed one verse of a song, just one verse. It was that I have a maker song. Oh yeah. I have a maker. She knows my, she knows my heart. That's what he changed. Ah. And so just that one verse, he had changed it to she pronouns. And I just wept. I just sat down in my pew and sobbed. Um, And I was probably, let's see, I was probably early thirties at the time. And it was the the first time that my female body felt included in the image of God. And I wouldn't have known prior to that experience how much I felt the lack of that. Because I grew up in a conservative tradition that is still very dear to most of my family. Um, And we go back many generations in that tradition where they would have said, of course, God doesn't have a gender. He is spirit. Um, And I know some people actually probably grew up in traditions where they did actually masculinize, like fully um, concretize that that concept. Um, So I feel lucky a little bit that at least lip service was paid. And where I grew up that um, God was beyond gender. And yet every single reference I ever heard, read, um, visualized for the divine were completely male and masculine. Right. So much so that we started to confuse (laughs) that this was only ever a metaphor. Like this is always a gesture towards a great mystery that no words can ever fully comprehend, which is why we need so many metaphors. You know, we need the good shepherd. We need the baker woman. We need the woman searching for the coins. We need the mama bear. We need the, you know, we need all of these, um, the, the lovely, hen gathering uh, metaphors. Her we need the mother yes. hen. Oh, yes. That's one of my favorites. Thank you. Yeah. We We need all of those collectively. And we have just gotten stuck in one metaphor and that has harmed all of us. I remember, and you probably do too, when the book, The Shack came out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then, and then eventually, you know, it was put into a movie form. And in my tradition, it was just people lost their minds because the Holy Spirit, or no, maybe God was referred to as a woman. Now, I thought it was the Holy Spirit, but a friend recently said, no, it was God it, it portrayed in the, in the movie um, as an African-American woman. And I had mm-hmm. forgotten that. And people were losing their minds. And I, I mean, today I kind of laugh at that. And I think, wow, how, because what that says also is how tightly, you know, what, what causes someone to hold so tightly mm-hmm. to something that needn't be, that oughtn't be, that really, you know, I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but. <laughs> well, I mean, besides patriarchy, uh. <laughs> okay. I, um, well, I mean, I think these are, you know, there's very little that makes us human more than our spiritual and religious beliefs. It's where we find um, security, safety, belonging, purpose, meaning, community. Um, it's all of those things. And I think um, tradition feels difficult um, to mess with. And Mm -hmm. what was helpful for me when I started exploring the feminine aspects of the divine is to realize that this is not actually new at all. Yeah. Um, And and in fact, there are references throughout our sacred texts, um, both Jewish scriptures and Christian scriptures to the feminine aspects of the divine, including in the very grammar that, um, 
doesn't mean anything about biology, but of course the he's didn't either. And we forgot that. So that's one of the, um, things that really helped me is understanding, um, and, and also learning that the early Christian communities, um, frequently conceptualized, especially the Holy spirit, um, as, as a, as a feminine energy. And, um, she's often depicted as a dove, um, like, like, like the dove who came, uh, down, uh, Jesus's baptism. Um, that was a, that's a really common, um, the bird imagery, especially a dove imagery is highly connected with, um, spirit with Sophia. Um, one of the people whose work I highly recommend is the, um, scholar. She's a womanist scholar, professor of Hebrew at, um, bright divinity school, Dr. Will Gaffney. I I knew who you were going to say. Yes. (laughs) This is another resource I really would recommend. It's called a woman's lectionary for the whole church. Um, this is your W, um, there's going to be three of them. And I think the last one is finally, um, being proofed right now. It's church publishing that's putting this out and it is completely phenomenal. And her work, in addition to helping us understand how, um, the feminine has been repressed, even in the very grammar of the, um, original languages of which she's fluent in all of them. Um, right. Yeah. She, she, as a womanist is helping bring forth those, um, often overlooked perspectives, like the lost stories you were talking about of, um, so, um, a womanist is a feminist of color, um, to, um, briefly and too succinctly explain it, but a womanist is looking to help inform our stories with the perspectives that we normally have overlooked. Um, So those are often women, um, enslaved people, um, other people. So, so she has, for example, um, she will talk about the patriarchs, but also the matriarchs, including the enslaved women whose names we sometimes forget or over overlook um, you know, Hagar and Keturah <laughs> and, um, these women who's all, they are also our ancestors, um, in the faith, our matriarchs. And, um, it's really powerful to read her lectionary notes through this. Um, I really highly recommend it, um, for anybody, especially anybody who is clergy or clergy adjacent, like these, this is the type of, um, scholarship that I think is very liberating and heart expanding, um, for, for all of us. And then, one of her verses in for, um, is at the front of Dear Mama God. Yeah, uh, it's, read so that. yeah, I was. It was it was one of the signals to me to go ahead with this book is when Dr. Gaffney uh, um, let us license this translation. So this is her translation of Job thirty three four, with, with the feminine grammar put back in the text. Mm. Um, one of the ways she said that translators got around the feminine and the grammar is they just always use the proper noun, the spirit of God, so uh, that we wouldn't hear the pronoun she. No, yeah, okay. There, thank um, you. Which is what the grammar itself would dictate we use. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So Job 33, 4 and her translation reads, the spirit of God, she has made me and the breath of the nursing God, she gives me life. Um, that's and what then, it makes you want to do. And, right? and so um, that one, I just... um just wanted at the opening of the book is like a little breath. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the book itself is really simple prayers. These are all little prayers that my youngest prayed when she was um, like four and five, a little bit into six. I wondered where you got the, the, you know, the verse or the pr- yeah prayers for this. Yeah, so that's this helpful. is all. So it's so simple. It, Dear mama, God, thank you for the earth and all living things. Thank you for rain that makes rainbows. 
thank you for seeds that grow into plants. Um, and it goes through and, um, oh, bird, thank you for bird, uh, trees for birds to build nests in. The little phrasing is very, um, like it's in a child's voice. Like the one that really cracks me up is thank you for hula hoops that dogs can jump through because that's, that's very cute. much like a four. That's like a, how a four and five-year-old, we have a dog, we have a dog who likes to jump through a hula hoop. So that great. is her perspective. <laughs> I thought that was adorable. And um, <laughs> thank you for paper that I can draw on. Like mm. that, that's not an adult perspective necessarily. That's a child's perspective. Mm. And I also really love the, um, oh, thank you for beating hearts that love. Oh, I love that. I, I do want to go back to thank you for paper to draw on because I'm in yes. the artist community and absolutely, that's like, I, I pray that prayer. Thank you for paper to draw on or to paint it's, on. I love that. That's true. <laughs> so um, I observe what happened with the inspiration for this book is yeah. um, my older daughter. And since I have seven years between them, um, she was old enough to remember and recognize my, my shifting God language yeah and in fact she's um like she can remember when I would whisper um you know um, feminine pronouns in her ear when we were singing songs in church and things like that um so she sort of she was of course more mortified by it then <laughs> <laughs> she's old enough now to um appreciate that and then when her little sister was three and four I hadn't quite decided what to do yet. Um, and COVID started when the little one was four. So we became really, you know, closed in. It's not like right. we were going to church and other places at that time, everything was online. So my older daughter started to teach the younger daughter to pray to mother God mm. just on her own. And mm. it was really sweet because the little one, um, she definitely had some speech delays and it sounded at first, uh, dear mother Dodd. <laughs> Which was just adorable. But then in time, she turned it into Mama God because that's her language. Yeah. And somehow when she started praying to Mama God, it mm. just melted something in me. And it was so heart expanding and such a life-giving practice that I just started jotting little prayers down because they were so beautiful for me. And eventually I thought, you know what? A book, a beautiful book. I really believe that children's books should be beautiful. Thank you. Um, and this it's is a, a really easy yeah. entry point for other families to do a practice like this. It's just a book. Um, and you don't have to make it more or less than that, but it's just a little way to introduce a practice to other people that I had found really life-giving. So um, a couple of things here. Number one, I want to underline again that it is a beautiful book and that your illustrator, Jillian Gamble, has done a beautiful job. Some of... Um, my podcast listeners may know, um, oh, the name, the, another author, children's author that she's illustrated for. Oh, Matthew Paul Turner. Well known. Yeah. Matthew Paul Turner. Yes. Um, she's done some beautiful work there yes. as well. So this, this is a beautiful book. And then the second thing I wanted to say, um, you, you said it, I just want to emphasize it a little bit more. Uh, and I have found myself buying children's books in more recent years, that have spoken to some things at the core of me. And this is one of those kinds of books. Uh, I think sometimes when we either aren't taking things in in a different way or can't or are just on the edge of something, sometimes you can find some incredible children's books that can mm -hmm. help you move down the path a little bit more. And I feel like this specific book, Dear Mama God, might be one of those I think the other thing um, 
I mean, I think I know what it is. It's that we've all heard everything with male pronouns for so long, but I, 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 I wish I could fully describe to a male colleague or friend or spouse how deeply personal and emotionally important this is mm -hmm. for women and their spirituality to hear the divine referred to in the feminine. I mean, I, I, I don't even, I don't have words really. And that's sometimes where I think art comes in and music and poetry and those experiences that move beyond that um, rational filter, because yes. especially I think those of us who grew up in um, evangelical or adjacent um, types of Christianity, everything had to be proof text. Your, oh, yes. exper your experience, your body especially had no validity and so things that help do that healing in an embodied way, yes, I think are really meaningful. Um, so I think I actually was um, talking to a friend the other day who had counted that Dear Mama God has 120 words. So it's a very, oh, that's great. very <laughs> simple, simple book. And he was joking saying, I have gotten texts from you that are more than 120 <laughs> words. <laughs> Because I'm kind of a wordy person. I'm a former English teacher. I My graduate degree is in English composition. I love language. And I can talk to you all day long about the scholarship behind this, um, all the different, all of the um, womanist and feminist scholars who've been talking for decades about mm -hmm. why male centric God talk is damaging and, and, and why it's not actually even biblical. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> um, I, and I love that conversation. Mm. And I think what we need is the experience. Like we need to, to have these soul level experiences that, um, just, just speak to us at those very deep levels. And, and I think it's those art experiences that, yes. that go deep like that. Absolutely. I mean, and, and just when we are first introduced also to this, I just think yes. back of me reading the introduction to a couple of books that, began welcoming the feminine perspective and I just tears started streaming down my face. I mean, what does that say? Right. And I've heard that story from so many women, so many, um, and some men as well that, um, in fact, there's a, a, a colleague of mine who has, um, been so very open to learning to, um, so much credit to him. But I remember years ago, um, when, I told him I was starting to want to explore the divine aspects of the feminine. Um, and he just started laughing at, at me good naturedly. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he said that he, this is with, you know, it took time. He decided to do an experiment and he was going to pray consciously to God in feminine language and imagery, um, for a set period of time. It was at least several months. Um, I'm trying to, I can't remember exactly how long. And he just said it was like suddenly he was seeing the world in color wow. and he didn't realize he had been colorblind before. Wow. I do think this is a powerful thing for all of us that God is more than what we've been, many of us allowed. I love to, that. To God is more than what yeah. any of us have allowed. Yeah. And uh, I uh, think, yeah. you know, of course, any divine transcends our concepts well, of gender. Yes. Uh, so this, this is one of the things as, um, and I noticed there are some people who want to jump directly to gender neutral. Um, 
And there's some of that that can, um, so Dr. Gaffney talks about, we need to disrupt learned gender patterns. So if your learned gender pattern is God equals male and he, him, then just hearing creator or a generic God doesn't actually disrupt that pattern. Right. Um, now there are some people who are doing a little more along that, you know, God is they and other things that I do think disrupt those patterns in a way. But what I do notice is the thing that makes people most uncomfortable is she. And I think that says something that we need to feel like there's a reason that feels awkward. Mm -hmm. I think people Mm -hmm. associate it with, um, goddess, which actually is just God in feminine form. There's nothing inherently, (laughs) right. Right. Uh, you know, I think people, immediately think that like they're, they're treading into realms of paganism or other things. Um, and we've just been conditioned to think that. Um, and so the, she disrupts us the most in in many situations. You know, I try to tell people, listen, if he and father metaphors for God are life-giving for you, please be blessed with that. Like my request is please don't mandate that that is the only valid metaphor for everyone. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, and also I think people, we mentioned this at the beginning, but I think many people who've grown up in the church are, uh, not actually familiar with all of the female metaphors for God. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sure I've not caught all of them, but I'm going to just stick a list in the show notes just for people's you know, enjoyment. And you might want to just check those out because you just might not have been aware of those at all. Absolutely. So. There's another children's book that came out last year that I want to call out called Mother God oh, um, written yes. by Reverend Kim um, Petsonofsky and illustrated by Koa Lee. It's also really beautiful. Um, and it is simply an exploration of the biblical images for God in feminine form. Um, it's, I it's, almost bought that. I probably should. I do. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. It's it's a lovely one too. Is It just starts with, you know, God, the father, but God is your mother too. Um, and then it just goes on. Um, so this one has more words. It's more rhymy, um, beautiful images of all kinds of um, uh, diverse types of mothers and um, including um, non-human ones <laughs> are more than, are more than human ones. Yeah. Nice. Um, and it's um, like, I love the, um, one of my favorites is the the mama hen. Oh yes, right. A chick, a chick one. Um, so this is also a beautiful book. Um, Rachel Held Evans um, and Matthew Paul Turner, who finished this book after she um, passed so unexpectedly a few years ago, wrote this. What is God like? And this oh, one includes right. he, she, and they pronouns. Okay, for for yeah. God. Um, there's this other one that's been around for a long time that I came across that that I love called when God was a little girl and it's a creation story told uh, through a little girl's art project. Oh, it's, wow. it's, it's a super sweet one. Um, there's another one by Ruth Goring called picturing God. Oh yeah. I love Ruth's work too. Yeah. Okay, so I this also yeah. has um, all kinds of divine um, metaphors, including the mama hen. Um, and and honestly, I think I think that's where some of us need to start mm-hmm. is through the eyes of a child because when the we're child, the child in us needs to be healed of this. Thank too. you. There you go. I was gonna say when we're first learning anything, it's in a childlike state usually. And but you took it the next step, which is exactly that we need some healing in this. Well, and as a children's book author. I will have to say that actually writing for children is much more difficult than writing for adults. Much I have a couple of good friends, uh, Jennifer Grant and 
Karen Riveden era that are children's writers. And I'm like, they, they will say that all the time. So I Jennifer Grant that. has edited both of my books. Oh, no way. I Jennifer's a dear friend. Did not she's, know that. She is wonderful. Her, so yes, her Jen, books Jennifer's are awesome influence too. <laughs> has been, and she's also been one of those people, um, along with an, another, um, Reverend author friend, um, Reverend Tracy Smith, who have just been brainstorm partners, like people, Wonderful. I'm an external processor and especially in the pandemic, <laughs> great. Yeah. We would just leave voice memos for each other or occasionally do like a walk and talk three-way phone call. Yep. Just, you need people to talk these things through Absolutely. With, and also just get that resonance back of, I do think the world is ready to start having this conversation. It's not a new one. No. Um, and yet right. there's there's just some things happening that I think are making us, there's a lot of unveilings happening in the world yes. right now. Yeah. Um, and we don't necessarily know what to do with all that information as it's being mm -hmm. unveiled, um, um, you know, from climate to black lives matter to me too. There's, oh, there's absolutely. a lot of stuff that has just hit us very quickly. Um, especially if we have, um, uh, not had to experience those personally yeah. in all the same way. So we've become aware um, of some of these things and I can get lost in the despair <laughs> of how much harm has been done, how much work there is to do, but what brings me back to my groundedness and my joy is like looking through my children's eyes again, because yeah. we still allow children to have awe and wonder. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and in fact, there's a ton of research coming out right now on awe and wonder mm as being, um, the, uh, best antidote for anxiety. Uh, and a lot of people talk about our anxious age and how much anxiety we have. No doubt these many computers we carry around with us all the time uh, connected to all of the things has something to do with that. Yes. yes um, absolutely. and so what I've learned through my children is that getting back to like, wow, it really is amazing that we have a tree and look, the leaves just came yeah. out again this, this month. Yes. They came out again. <laughs> And uh, getting back to that, um, and that's actually why Jillian and I, who've been talking about this art for oh. um, almost two years, landed on a nature metaphor. Um, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, you, you, know, you go to start um, an art project and one of the things you do is you, you sort of inventory all of the things that have been done on this before. And when you sure. go to do an inventory of the ways in which the feminine aspects of God have been like artfully um, put into the world, there's not a whole lot out there. Yeah. We definitely spent a lot of time talking about this. And, um, you know, of course, Jillian is an artist, so she sketches about it. And we landed on a tree, a wondrous oh, tree. And it's gorgeous. Can I just yeah, say, I absolutely. absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, her, her, her lap has enough room for all of us. And yes. um, there's this wondrous image at the end with all these little children yes. who you've met through the book, um, all tucked up in her. And, um, I think yeah. most of us most easily connect with that, um, transcendent, something that is bigger than us when we're in the natural world. And so we wanted to use a tree as a way that people could, um, sort of really easily connect to that in their own lives. Um, something, something alive, something growing. I love it. I, so I want to say to someone listening, that's, you know, feeling nervous, or maybe you're on the front end of this, um, and hadn't thought that much about the divine as feminine. I highly recommend getting a copy of dear mama God. I'll have the information of course, as always in the show notes. Um, but that that's a, might be a great 
place for you to start to dip a toe in. I'll put the scripture references that I referred to in the show notes as well. And um, I, I, I so appreciate this conversation. Uh, Danine, thank you for your work. Thank you for Dear Mama God. What a beautiful book. So good. Thank you. It's been absolutely lovely mm. talking to you. You know, it's interesting. I always end the podcast by saying, because um, it's faith conversations, keep the conversation going. But today I'll say that I did say that, but I'm going to end with a very familiar benediction from scripture. One of my dear past, one of the pastors at my church, she's a dear friend. Um, her name's Lori. She uh, often ends um, a Lexio Divina class that she and I do together with this particular benediction. And she inserts um, the feminine in it as she goes. And every single time I, my face, you know, is in this, this um, earnest position. And she says this, and my face breaks into a smile, just does something to me. I often tell spiritual direction clients, put yourself in the story, put yourself in the story. Well, let me say, shift some of the pronouns for God as you're reading along in scripture. Just start thinking differently, dip your toe in the water on this. So let me uh, end our time with this benediction from Numbers chapter six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift her countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.